Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for checking out the Toronto Today podcast. Well, a post-election morning, and we're all over the results, the stories, the emotions. Two leaders resign in the same evening. I'm not sure whether we've seen that recently, federally or provincially, but that's it for Stephen Del Duca as Liberal leader. That's it for Andrea Horvath as leader of the NDP, and that was perhaps rumored. We'll talk to Dave Woodard about that on the show. Alex Boudelier, Sean O'Shea weigh in, and Shiba Siddiqui and I with our own conversations. If you were deep into the election, and even if you weren't, it's a great encapsulation of the night that was and the weekend ahead that will be. Thanks so much for listening. Toronto Today begins now. Uh, my uh, my new MP P is Patrice Barnes, a conservative in uh, in Ajax. So she takes over from Rod Phillips. We had a little controversy in uh, in good old Ajax uh, over the last couple of years. <laughs> we got the former mayor running. All of a sudden, uh, I'm finding out streets are named after Nazi sea captains. Uh, Rod Phillips and uh, goes away, and he's seen all Same over parts, Ajax, baby. but he's not there. Yeah. Um, and who? And did you? Did your MP? party hold is it the same as it was uh, no it's, it switched uh, we went conservative yes yes we did go conservative but i mean there are a couple of things you just said that i just want to address so you were just oh. talking about mike schreiner no no i agree i agree oh, okay, I, good, good. I think mike schreiner is a fantastic leader i mean hands down he won that one provincial debate right he was the winner that came out of that and i i don't know i really like watching him i really like seeing him um i'm interested to see i just i think he's a great leader andrea horvath now, I'm surprised. I knew she was stepping down right away. As soon as she came out, as you put it, she was full of grace the entire time. But she was also on the verge of tears. And she was very emotional through her whole speech. Right when she came out, hit the podium, I was what I, it, I knew right away she's stepping down because she was just so you, she was about to cry. You're more pressing um, than me. I did. I did, I saw her come out, too, but I didn't expect it. I uh, I really didn't. I thought maybe today, maybe she takes the weekend no, the, and the Del Duca thing I thought might happen even at noon, but my gosh. Um, oh, well, they didn't waste any time, but no. that gave it away that she was stepping down. And I'm really interested in seeing who takes her spot. Now, I have my eye on Mart Styles or even Kristen Wong Tam. That may be too early. I don't know, but um, I'm looking forward to that. There were some surprises for me. We spoke about Garatan Singh, Jagmeet Singh's brother, who lost in his riding of Bram Denise to Hardeep Graywall. Michael Ford, the premier's nephew, he won in York South. That's not a surprise. It's but, not, I mean, no. We saw that coming. Sarah Singh. NDP deputy leader. I didn't see that coming. That's a big um, loss for them. That's that's really? the biggest loss. And and I, I you know I mentioned this earlier about conservatives. Like if I uh, holding all their spots. Look, I didn't expect Stephen Lecce to lose. You and I would have done the show the morning after the uh, Western University you know photo about the slave auction. And I'm like, this isn't going to cost him his seat. He isn't going to resign. No, it isn't great. Yes, there are other um, un undocumented allegations about him being kind of awful in his fraternity, okay, uh, well at Western. But his premier loves him. His premier is always the first one to stand up in defense for him. Uh, and, and the slave auction, honestly, I wasn't that surprised. In my high school, we used to have slave, slave auctions. Of course we did. Yeah, we, Ottawa, we did too. Right? Slave yeah. for a day, that's what it was called, to fundraise for whatever, for grad or whatever it was. Um, I don't Kate think I was cool Graham. enough. I wasn't cool enough to be the guy because it was girls buying guys. And then like eight guys would walk around the school, carry the books. Maybe they'd have to dress like That's like exactly John Travolta in Greece or something but like that. I how <laughs> out to lunch were we? Slave for a day. I mean, that, that would never happen now. I mean, we know better now. Um, another surprise for me, Kate Graham, who was a 2020 liberal leadership candidate. She finished third in London. North. Yeah, I, I don't know where that goes now. And I was talking to somebody. I'm glad you brought that up, Sheba, because I, I was talking to somebody in London about it. And they said, look, we know what's going to happen province wide. 
but at least we have one voice here that could be slash would be different. And they don't now. And I think there's many communities that are going to look around and go that this is the same thing we talk about. And the thing we love on the show is lively debate, uh, you know, important discourse. And if everybody just thinks the same thing, you know, the pressure there. And we've seen the last two years. You better vote with the party. That's why we like yeah. Nate Erskine Smith was a fantastic guest yesterday because he doesn't agree with Justin Trudeau on everything. He doesn't agree with Christopher Freeland on everything. And That's he but it. but he's maintained a a decorum and a level of dignity to agree to disagree. He doesn't take shots on social media. He doesn't get, you know, like it's not, it's not mean spirited. And, and we see that, look, we see that all the time in the States and we constantly say we're not the States. I'm going to make that. And I made the case as well. I, there's something about the Ontario conservatives. I think you probably would agree just has that different feel than the federal conservatives. Yes. Look at Pierre Polly yesterday. Let's get rid of all mandates for all vaccines. No Dumb. What are you talking about? We have we have important vaccines for polio and MMR and chicken pot. We can't we absolutely can't let those back there into is, our lives. That was a nutty thing for him to put out yesterday. Absolutely. And there is a big discrepancy between provincial and federal conservatives. Would you say the same thing about the liberals? Well, they're it's a great question. They're interrelated. Like here's Oh, my gosh. You know, what can happen federally is the, the federal conservatives just can't break through the 905. They've got to break through that red wall. Well, they kick the crap out of the red wall two elections in a row provincially. So people are obviously inclined to feel a certain way. And then there's this I won't call it an unholy alliance between Trudeau and Ford. But let me ask. Here's this, this is a good question for text as well. And for you, Sheba, Justin Trudeau goes to bed last night. And he didn't lose a second sleep over the result in Ontario. He didn't mention yeah. Stephen Del Duca's name once. There's no personal <laughs> relationship. There's no phone call. There's no nothing. And I don't know when that's happened. I know that, you know, Brian Mulroney would have called, um, you know, a, 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 a concern like Mike. I know there was a relationship with Brian Mulroney and Mike Harris or Bill Davis and Joe Clark. There's none of that. It just feels Trudeau is content with Ford being there Ford's content with Trudeau being there it works for both of them it gets they them more power well together it's the, it's a great date the two of them yes it is it is here's another surprise for me Harvey Bischoff former president of the Ontario Secondary School Teachers Foundation he lost for the NDP in Bradford Brent I wasn't expecting that mm. yeah um I, I wasn't either and uh and I was kind of I came at who was the uh, oh Sam Sam Hammond and Harvey Bischoff those right those were the two union leaders in the summer last year in 2021 it was around this time of year we're like can we get schools back open they're like That's no it. not at all <laughs> and and then oh are you going to mandate vaccine remember even at this time last year you'd say to those guys um, you know they're starting to mandate vaccines for. American universities don't you think that well that's a personal medical decision and we don't we don't want yes. our union members like they dithered and diddled and did everything and then around mid oh my god we got to get our members vaccinated we we can't make them but we highly encourage vaccination you're a little late to the party maybe the voters yes. realize that at that point yes. I gotta I gotta redo this text here about um Punjabi radio in Brampton organized the switch in Brampton from NDP to PC maybe they're stronger than uh they want a quicker way to Cottage Country 413. Oh, of course. Well, Punjabi, Punjabi's, <laughs> I mean, Brampton, you think of that. <laughs> but yes, absolutely. I think there was, there's a huge influence there. And I think they also wanted to change. Uh, I don't think being Jagmeet Singh's brother right now helps in any way. Um, mm. One thing that struck me was as soon as the Premier Ford came out last night, at the beginning of his speech, he said, we made history. So I was speaking to our executive producer, Jason Chapman, about that last night. And we deduced that since 1951, 
there's never been such a large win for the conservatives. 83 ridings. That's history, right? He for percentage that. of ridings, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, good for him. That's huge. I wasn't expecting that. Were you? No, 80, 80 wasn't anything anyway. So let's hear that clip. Let's hear that Doug Ford uh, says he made history uh, clip from last night when he hit the stage uh, at the Toronto Congress Center. What a night and what a result. Together, we have done the impossible. We have made history. I don't know how impossible. I mean, the victory wasn't impossible. And... Uh, <laughs> Do you believe but in miracles? Yes, it's not. It's not really what I was thinking last night, beating the Soviet Union at, at hockey. Um, but yeah, eighty seats was. I didn't. Okay, here's what I don't think anybody had, Shiva. I don't, I don't think anyone had the, the PCs at eighty. I don't think anybody had the NDP at thirty, yes. and nobody had the Liberals in single digits. So in in essence, all those surprises are are interconnected to each other because of of the numbers. Of course, they are. And this is Premier Ford's superpower. I think this is his superpower that he makes you feel like he is your best friend no matter what he's telling you no matter if the axe is dropping you feel like he's your best friend he's on your side he's the people's man and just the way he is and the lingo that he uses and the slogans and you know the catchphrases i guess that's you were comparing him to trump and some people compare him to trump that was what trump did um trump wasn't very successful at making you feel like he was your best friend but i feel like premier ford that is his superpower he, you, just, you, you feel like you're the only person in the room when he's talking to you. I want to. I want to. Let's spend some of the 7:45 on because uh, I think this is more improbable than Trump. Trump was always going to take a shot at politics. Eventually, if you told somebody 10 years ago Doug Ford is going to win two majority governments as premier, you'll be like the city councilor. Is there another Doug Ford? Rob's yeah. little bro, real or older brother? What? Um, so it's that aspect is uh, is shocking. Someone back in the legislature for the NDP in uh, University Rosedale uh, for a second go round is Jessica Bell, who won her riding last night. And she's kind enough to join us right now. It is great to have you on the show. Thank you for getting. It's hard to find a politician up. Um, sometimes they go to bed around 648 a.m. after they win uh, another seat in the legislature. Jessica, thanks very much. <laughs> it's really good to be here. I'm not going to lie. I do have a hangover. <laughs> and uh, and I, I I don't know if that's going to get better or worse, given I'm going to I'm going to fire a bunch of fastballs at. No, I'm not. How did how did feel for you um, over the course of the campaign? Closer result than 2018. Um, but you must have felt confidence. You clearly have connected in your riding uh, to get reelected. Uh, every election race is extraordinarily tough because you have to win the trust of the voters again. You don't know what the voters are going to do until the results come in on election night. And I am deeply, deeply honored and grateful to have the responsibility to be an MPP again. I talk to enough people who get out of politics and uh, and say, I just couldn't do it anymore. And especially post pandemic. Some people did just that. And some people don't want to enter, uh, especially post pandemic. Then there's their privacy. Then there's their independence. Um, what what drives the, the bus for you when it comes to your passion for it? Uh, Greg, you're bringing up some really good points. Uh, it is a it is an extraordinarily difficult job. It became even harder when the pandemic hit because so many aspects of our job we couldn't do. The face-to-face -face connection was seriously restricted, and that's the highlight of the job for me. I wouldn't run if I didn't want to do this job anymore. I love this job, mm. despite the hard uh, bits. 
And now we have this extra important responsibility because there, uh, you know, a majority of people, even though uh, Premier Ford is Premier again, the majority of people in Ontario still want uh, progressive voices uh, to fight for a real climate action plan, uh, universal, affordable public health care, uh, and a quality, a high quality education system. And that's that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to fight for. Jessica Bell is our guest um, who returns to Queen's Park uh, as MPP in Rosedale. I, I, I maintain it. I think a re- it's a good night for your party. We may not call it a really good night. It's hard to say that if you lose seats, but you've seen politics and, and parties ebb and flow. Doug Ford and the Conservatives will, will have will have their downfall eventually. I mean, Rome fell. These things are linear and they only last a certain amount of time. I, I just I was impressed by you kept a lot of the seats you kept last night and added. You had a big heavy hitter even in, in the GTA in the 416 when Kristen Wong Tam. I think she's going to be really helpful to people like you, to people like Marit Stiles in Queens Park. I'm, I, I think that's impressive. I I was very happy last night. I was really delighted to see Kristen Wong Tam win in Toronto Centre. I've worked with her for many years when she was a Toronto City Councillor. I was so delighted when she decided to step up and work with us. One thing that I think is really clear from this election is that the NDP has solidified itself as a contender for government in Ontario for years to come. Uh, that was a it was a it was a solid outcome last night, and we have returned and we are returning as official opposition. What do you worry about with the Ford government? Um, I, I look and I, I'm so mixed. I think our, our whole, the pandemic's really, it scrambled all our brains. It's the, it's the great mass tragedy of our lifetime. I always say this, no matter who, what we are doing independently now and when we started doing it, Jessica, I'm not even sure we've all started to, to grieve everything we've lost, the time we've lost, the people we've lost. But I, I look and I, I, you know, I do, I do think, uh, healthcare and education have proved vital. Everybody says that those are important things. And um, and I'm hopeful. I, I've got to try and be positive that government will work together and solidify and protect those things. But I know that's not a universal opinion with concerns about healthcare and education with the Ford government. Uh, Greg, you're very, uh, you're very right. I was listening very carefully to what you said. I think about that pandemic over the last two and a half years, and I often go straight to my children and think about how their learning has been impacted over the last two years and how they uh, have more anxiety than I would expect young children to have. And what I'm experiencing in my own family uh, is an experience that you know thousands and thousands and thousands of parents and children have across Ontario. We have suffered because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. It, I mean, it, it remains to be seen uh, what the government is going to do. My hope is that they uh, govern uh, for everyone, which means making sure that healthcare, education uh, um, programs that are properly funded. And I also very much hope that this government understands that climate action is a priority. We need this government to have a very strong climate action plan. And that's that's something that I'm going to be fighting for, too. I hope so. I mean, look, the, the one thing I'd lay down, um, I know there's going to be a lot of debate about Highway 413. There's going to be a ton of it. That became kind of a wedge issue. I, I didn't expect, to be honest, a month ago. But they they better walk the walk on uh, on clean energy and they better walk the walk on on electric cars. I know there's complexities to it. Where are all the charging stations going to go? How do we make it more affordable? 
we better have the conversations because last time around in 2018, Jessica, as you well know, they just they scrapped the financial incentive for people to get electric cars. Um, they they just didn't seem they seemed anti environment. We can't have that. We can talk about processes to get there, but they can't do what they did four years ago with it. That's unacceptable. I agree with you. I have also seen this government realize that they made a mistake and that moving to an electrified manufacturing vehicle sector uh, is important. And we also need to make it extremely easy for people to choose to buy an e-bike uh, and mm -hmm. an electric vehicle. When I go door to door in my riding, uh, I meet people who do not have their own dedicated parking lot and they have no idea how they're going to charge an electric vehicle that they really want to buy. And they also don't know how they're going to be able to commute because they don't know where they're going to charge their vehicle on the way. That needs to change. Mm -hmm. We need uh, an electric vehicle manufacturing sector in Ontario, and we need to have the infrastructure in place so people can choose to buy an electric vehicle yes. and an e-bike and take public transit. All the, yeah, the, it's a wonderful combination. And and as as you're raising your kids, I'm I'm raising mine with my wife. Those are the things we want to, you know, we, we you make habits at a young age. Uh, people will follow through on that. littering, right? Like we we learned about littering. We learned not to not to drink and drive. There are things that were just ingrained to us as kids uh, and teenagers that I think we can get there when it comes to the three methods of transportation you mentioned. I got about a minute here. I I do want to ask you about. The COVID and lockdowns. This is what I started to hear last fall is Doug Ford might, even though we closed schools in January. I, now, I wouldn't have done that. I would not have closed them in January. I know we were getting hit hard by Omicron, but most of us were vaccinated. It was a less severe strain. But I, the only thing I heard, and I want to know if you think it's a fair criticism, is people said, I don't want to vote for Doug Ford. I don't want to do this, but I'm worried the other parties would lock us down harder. Did you hear that much? And if so, how would you refute that? How would you say, no, we wouldn't have? Because I heard Andrea Horvath and I heard other people say in mid-January, I don't know if we should open schools I, in March. I don't know if we should take masks off yet. There was a lot of that. Is is that a fair criticism? Is there any way to repudiate that? No one wants lockdowns. Lockdowns are devastating for small businesses, parents, everybody. It is important that we follow public health measures. Uh, that is what we've been advocating for uh, the entire time. And the, the good news uh, is that we are moving through this pandemic. Uh, and the good news is that we are returning uh, back to normal. It's also, I want to make it very clear, uh, we have been very clear in our position that schools should be the last to close and the first to open. Education is an absolute priority. Uh, but I, I also did hear that at the door. So thank you for raising it. 100%. Hey, congratulations. I, I hope you'll come on the show um, often. Um, you know, maybe maybe after a, one glass of wine instead of three, but either way, I'm, you know, I'm glad I love honest, honesty and politicians matters to me and, and accountability does too. So thank you and congratulations on your win. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and um, all those around you should be really, really proud of what you're bringing to Queens Park. Thanks for making time for our audience today. Uh. Greg, thank, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Uh, there isn't a candidate who won last night who isn't feeling so great this morning. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're, we're, we got two hours to find one. I don't know if, we're, I don't know if that's going to uh, happen. Thanks so much, Jessica. Enjoy the weekend, and, and we'll talk really soon. And your summer. Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Have a good day. We appreciate you. Jessica Bell uh, from University of Rosedale uh, going back to Queens Park. Late nights for these uh, two gentlemen, Alex Boudelier, senior national politics reporter. And uh, you know him, um, you you tolerate him, and some of you love him. Sean O'Shea is with us this morning as well. Sean, I got your email the other day. Listen, Alex had no more fun with me at the Ford uh, headquarters <laughs> 
he can clarify that than you would have last night if I was with if I was with you at Stephen Del. You just want you might have seen the train coming for Stephen Del Duke and just wanted somebody to tell you some funny jokes. And I don't know many funny jokes, Sean. I'm my biggest disappointment, Greg, is not meeting you last night. That's all. I'm sticking with that. Oh yes, Alex just couldn't get enough. I'm like he buried himself in his laptop. Alex, you and I were there last night. It's it's a bit surreal. Um, people expected a victory. They were ready to to party, but the scope of the victory, like every time a result came up, cheering right away. The biggest cheer of the night was the first result for Stephen Del Duca and Von Woodbridge. People were beyond themselves in happiness. Yeah, you know, I think um, it was kind of beyond the, the wildest dreams of uh, progressive conservative strategists, um, certainly beyond the projections that we saw in public polling um, and the aggregators. So, you know, I think the PCs have to be really uh, happy with themselves uh, as they wake up this morning. <laughs> um, it was a very late night at PC uh, headquarters. Um, so, uh, you know, I think they have to be uh, rather, uh, you know, happy with you know, improving on their majority, uh, which is not something that governments tend to do. Sean, you're there on site with Stephen Del Duca. Um, tell us in, in almost in real time when sort of that that dark cloud kind of cl- like clouded over the room and and people saw what was happening, not just to their not just to their leaders, Sean, but the idea of not even getting back to official party status. It's one thing not to be the opposition party. It's one thing not to not to improve by more than one seat after the past four years. I can't imagine what that was like in that building. It was pretty gloomy. Just to, to, to let you guys know, I couldn't hear what Alex had to say for some kind of technical reason okay. uh, that uh, may be uh, lingering from last he, night. He but, sung uh, your praises. He said uh, they should have gone to you more at that location. Um, okay. Less Matthew Bingley, more uh, Sean O'Shea. He didn't say no. that, actually. It's a... I, I know. But look, <laughs> it was pretty gloomy. I've been to a lot of campaign headquarters on election day. First of all, I couldn't believe how to see, to see a leader. I mean, at one point, I think 60 people I mean, it was, I've never seen that before. And I've covered probably 30 election campaigns, federal, municipal, provincial. That's telling. But just a sense of gloom and doom. I mean, look, nobody was expecting Stephen Del Duca to be elected premier last night. Nobody. The party wasn't expecting that. And before we got going with election night, I asked the insiders about what their expectations were. And their expectations, their deepest, their biggest hope was official party status. So they set the bar pretty low, considering that through the campaign, there was all kinds of talk that, you know, the, the, the Liberals could win 20 or 25 seats. And the NDP was going to be decimated. So to not win party status and to not have your leader be able to win again, I mean, it was just crushing. Uh, I interviewed one of his neighbors, uh, the crown the street, still don't joke, his neighbors. And, you know, these are, you know, older Italian women who were fighting for his cause and real diehard Liberals. Couldn't believe it. And I, I, I frankly couldn't believe it. Uh, it just was it was stunning. Sean, I, I was saying last night, I think even Alex and I had this kind of the same conversation about it, along with, with Matt Bingley there is there weren't a lot of great options for the liberals when they pick their leader. Um, and it is tough. You've, you've watched politics your whole life. There is a process to digging out when the electorate comes for you and and smacks you pretty hard. It, it, it wasn't easy to rebuild after 1993 for the federal conservatives. It wasn't easy for the NDP to build back when all those Howard Hampton elections before Andrea Horvath got there. They were spinning their tires. This, to me, was was Ontario saying to the liberals, we're not letting you out of time out yet after 15 years of, of things that frustrated us. And I think, Greg, that a lot of liberals thought that they, they could do a one-term pass and they'd be back in the throes of things. That just was not going to happen. Look, I think Del Duca was a, a decent, is a decent person. Mm-hmm. 
uh, in many ways, a good politician. He was had this skill of being able to. I went to to, to the beginning of his campaign. Didn't need a teleprompter. Could 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 recite word for word what he wanted to say in twelve for twelve minutes. I wish I had that skill. I wish I could do that for two minutes. But he had that capability. No notes. Ability to you know to, to deliver his message. But I guess in the end, the, the people of Ontario just weren't interested in the message that that he had. And it sounds like they just weren't. Tired of Doug Ford's message. I mean, if you're a Doug Ford fan, it was a great night last night. If you're a liberal fan, uh, it certainly was not. And, you know, there was no shortage of surprises. Everybody thought the NDP was going to collapse. They didn't collapse. But just, I mean, I was stunned as well. I, mean, I covered Mike Harris's win in 95 up in North Bay. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, somewhat expected. But this just was not expected. That's uh, Sean O'Shea, who was at the uh, Del Duca headquarters last night. Alex Boudelier was with me at the Ford headquarters. Just a quick thought on that, Alex. I, I, I didn't get a chance to ask you about it last night. I thought it was a good night for the NDP. They, 31 seats, many of them had been projected at 2022, maybe losing status. And I'd make the case again. Andrea Horvath leaves after four elections, kind of leaves it. And I think they have better candidates to talk about for leadership, whether it's Mart Stiles, whether it's Kristen Wong-Tam. I, they're in a better place by far than they were a decade ago. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think what the NDP uh, proved last night was just how efficient their vote is in terms of you know, the, the popular vote versus C count uh, with the liberals, um, you know, sort of neck and neck with popular uh, vote, but, you know, electing a lot more MPPs. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. Not only, you know, do the PCs have, you know, a comfortable majority, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how they, you know, manage the legislature with two opposition parties who are going to be searching for a new leader. Right. So we're looking at like a year to 18 months of both um, official opposition parties sort of um, searching for, you know, their soul and, and their identity um, while uh, the Ford, uh, you know, PCs have a, have a comfortable majority. So really that's kind of the, the cherry on top for, uh, for the PCs. I want to give you guys both a minute here. And I know Sean, you'll have uh, you'll have an interesting answer based on your moment uh, with the premier uh, a week and a half ago, but Alex, it, without the pandemic, Without the pandemic, uh, Ford was an unpopular premier two years in. There was a lot of vitriol towards him. There was a lot of things to poke and prod at. Without the pandemic, is this result even remotely possible? I think so. Um, but certainly the pandemic galvanized uh, the PC support and galvanized people behind you know, a well-meaning uh, Doug Ford. Sean, um, I, yeah, it's obviously you were following uh, uh, Doug on the campaign trail. Uh, I, I, you know, he wasn't answering the proper questions. You were asking about something a year ago. He said, well, we took some of the blame for our mistakes. And you and I and many others were probably like, what? When was that? We, we were all locked down a year ago at this time. Can we even have a conversation about that? He obfuscated and, and you love your sports. He just he just ran the ball up the middle. He wasn't willing to put the ball in the air this campaign. But maybe he knew he knew something that uh, the rest of us didn't, that he'd coast to an easy victory if he just didn't say anything. I, I don't think that's how politics should work, but sometimes it does. Yeah, Greg, it, it's a validation of what the conservatives did in this campaign, which is not what many of the people who sent me text messages and uh, tweets last night said. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an indictment of the media, I must say. Uh, many people called us and said, you guys collectively did not do a good enough job of holding the government accountable for the last four years of what they did and didn't do. Uh, That's a point uh, with respect to what the premier said and didn't say and the message track that they maintained. I think what it says is, you know what, this worked. This worked. Why wouldn't we do it again? Why would a government ever, you know, allow their 
campaign um, their their um, candidates to go and participate in uh, all candidates meetings. Stick mm-hmm. to the message, say as little as possible, keep the media on the shoulder as much as possible. Look, it worked. Uh, mm-hmm. It worked, and and they 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 paid they they benefited from it. So. Um, you know, is it better for democracy? I don't know. If you're if you're a conservative, if you're a Doug Ford supporter, you're clapping and you're saying, "Good on it, it worked." If you're a liberal, mm. you're shaking your head, wondering whether you ran a very good campaign, which you didn't do. If you're the NDP, I think you're right on. They did have a good night last night, notwithstanding the fact mm-hmm. that Andrew Horvath resigned. Alex Boudelier is our senior national politics reporter. You can read him on globalnews.ca. Sean O'Shea's our Mr. Everything out in the field. Thank you, guys. I know you worked long hours last night. Thanks for making time for me and our audience. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too, Greg. Thanks. Thanks so much. Well. Alex Boudelier, Sean O'Shea uh, joining us. Andrea Horvath says it's time to move on. She stepped down as leader last night. I didn't think it would happen in the evening, and I thought it was a good night for the NDP, as I keep saying. But uh, here's some of her speaking about why the tears started to flow. I, I'm not shedding tears of, of sadness. I'm shedding tears of pride. Look at you. Look at all of you. Look at what we have done together. Look at what we have done together. Honestly, together, my friends, we have built a party that is stronger and more ready to govern than ever before. Yeah, better place uh, than when she left it. Let's go and uh, speak, t- uh, go right to the hammer and uh, speak to uh, intrepid reporter at 900 CHML, also fan of a team that's lost four of the last eight Grey Cups. Wait a minute, I'm a boyhood Hamilton Tiger Cats fan who wrote this on the cue cards. This is ridiculous. Dave Woodard joins us now on uh, 640 uh, Toronto, his old uh, home. Um, I'm sorry about that. I have no idea Brutal. why that would have been prepared for me that way. Brutal, Greg. Brutal. It's terrible. I have very little ad lib ability. I, I feel like Stephen Del Duca this morning. Someone has set me up to fail is what's happened. Hey, did, did, <laughs> did you see that coming last night? I thought maybe today, maybe she gives it the weekend. I know there's been a lot of talk about her future plans. What did you think? Yeah, you know, I think that was the main thing that everybody was there for was just to find out what was going to happen. I think that uh, the writing was on the wall uh, that the NDP were going to lose another election. The only thing, there's really two things. One is whether or not the Liberals could have made up any ground um, in terms of seats. They made up very little ground. Um, But the other one was, you know, what was going to happen with Andrea Horvath. And I think it says something when... Uh, during the concession speech, uh, and when she announced that she was, you know, going to pass the torch of leadership, um, usually when you see that at, at a concession speech, there are people in the crowd, supporters, um, you know, pleading for them not to do it. You know, no, no, don't do it. There was really none of that. <laughs> I didn't. Did you edit those out? <laughs> I know you're a whiz on Burley, but I wondered about that. I heard that. I heard that at Del Duca's thing, and I heard it. I thought I'd heard more at Horvath's thing. Del Duca's thing. They're like. Yep. Yeah, we, we, we kind of understand. I heard more murmuring of that, but I didn't hear a lot of, no, not yet. I didn't hear that with Andrea. You're right. There wasn't. And I think, you know, that says a lot about um, not just that, uh, you know, people were ready to move on, but it was kind of a, a disappointing night for the NDP as well in, in terms of seats. Um, you know, they, they didn't do as well as they'd hoped. I know that they, uh, speaking to some of the staffers, they were really kind of looking to, um, you know, do something in, in some of those conservative ridings that that uh, Doug Ford won four years ago, uh, and mm. they didn't they didn't succeed in that way. So uh, I think you know, paired with the the 
um, you know, the disappointment of the night and the fact that, you know, four times as leader and you, you aren't able to form government, I think people were ready to move on. Is she, how would I put it, iconic as a politician in Hamilton? I know we were just joking earlier about the Toronto-Hamilton thing, and I think people in Hamilton um, love the idea that they had somebody with a with a big voice. They don't have to agree with her all the time. They don't have to vote for her all the time. But I know that that was the case when I grew up in London, when someone in London was named to the cabinet or became an interim leader. It was a big deal. Did, uh, did you know? Does she have that oomph still in the hammer? Absolutely. And I think that that's one of those things that you take. I take Toronto as an example. Um, pull John Tory out of the city um, and see what that's like. John Tory is a very good politician. He's he's mm-hmm. um, he's iconic in terms of people don't know his name. He's done a lot of different things. Um, Andrea Horvath almost has that same gravitas in Hamilton in the sense that, you know, her her name is synonymous with the city. So I, I think there is still kind of that that pull of that name. Now, does that change now? I don't think so. I think people are still going to look at her as being a successful politician in Hamilton. Um, and to have somebody um, from the city as the leader of a major political party, that that's always... Um, that's been something that that we can really kind of hang on to. Dave Woodard, our guest from 900 CHML. I got two questions I want to ask you. Give me give me tight 40 seconds on each one. Is she going yeah. to run for mayor and will she win easily if she runs? Great question. I think that, uh, you know, there is the the opportunity that's there. Um, there have been few names that have been put forward. Keenan Loomis, who's a, ch- a former chamber president here in Hamilton. Uh, he's running for for the mayor's seat. Bob Bertina, the former mayor, uh, says that he's going to run again, but he's in his late 70s. So there is the opportunity uh, for that to to happen. Whether she will or not um, is still yet to be seen. Can she Mm. win? Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's a very is very good possibility if that happens. You had and I need 45 on this. You had an interesting result in Hamilton East Stony Creek. It's an interesting riding. Paul Miller mm-hmm. was kicked out of the NDP, longtime politician. He ran as an independent. He got 7 percent. The voters didn't want to listen to the explanations of why he was kicked out. But the MPP is former Ticats great Neil Lumsden. We haven't talked a lot about that this morning. Who won a really tight race with the NDP candidate, who was a 28-year-old, and Jason Farr of the Liberal Party? What, what's the what's the gravitas for Neil Lumsden in the city of Hamilton? Yeah, it's big. He's a very big character, not just because of what he did with the Ticats, but he was also he's also a businessman in this city and is very well known. I think. Uh, it's interesting to see a, a conservative win that riding because, as you said, Paul Miller had, had led it from the NDP since 2007. Mm-hmm. And it's a very big um, NDP riding. Uh, so it's interesting to see a conservative win, but I think that had more to do with the name than it did the party. Yeah. Dave, great stuff as always. And thanks for offering up your services. Uh, I know as, as this evolves with Andrea uh, through the summer, we'll go a little bit deeper with you and have more time for you, man. Have a great weekend. You too, Greg. Thanks. That was the awesome uh, Dave Water at 900 CHML, our sister station. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll be back with a live show on Monday morning. Jason Chapman's in for Sheba Siddiqui. Uh, we will miss her, but she's back next Thursday. Still a lot of fallout uh, from the provincial election, no doubt. We'll see if there's any movement on the Headley verdict. We'll recap the weekend in sports so much on Toronto Today on Monday. Have yourself a great weekend. Thanks so much for listening to what we offer.